0: good evening everyone it's good to see you here tonight nice to see all of you here on campus with us this evening and for those of you that are joining us via Facebook and live stream we'd like to say welcome to you as well you folks that are here look at your neighbor and just smile real big and tell them I am so glad to see you I just saw a husband turn the opposite way from his wife I'm going to make a couple of announcements and uh, turn this over to Pastor this evening before I get in too much trouble. But we do want you to know uh, this evening, first of all, this coming Sunday, the 14th, Brother Greg Albritton will be back with us. We're definitely looking forward to that in our 11 a.m. service. We're always blessed by his ministry, and uh, he's, he's just a, a, a nice one to have here around Grace Church. We, we love Brother Greg. And then also uh, this coming Sunday, we will be having a big good sale for Move the Mission and that will be held in the lobby. So if you would like to donate something, all of you bakers out there, um, if you would like to donate something to that effort, please let Sister Tanya Coley know and uh, she will get you squared away. And as always, you can stay up to date with what's going on here at Grace Church by downloading our church app if you haven't already done so. And you can also go to the web page and click on that events tab and you'll know everything you need to know. God bless you this evening as pastor comes.
1: husband just look the opposite way. But if something happens to your wife in the next day or two, I don't want you to cry about it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Glad to see everybody here tonight. Thank you so very much for coming. And uh, as always, I uh, look forward to Wednesday night. Uh, I just really enjoy and appreciate our Wednesday night Bible studies. Um, and, uh, I'm thankful that you're here tonight. Glad to see our young folks here tonight. Great to see them in here. And I know youth service is about to crank up every other Wednesday night, and you folks will be missed. And um, I don't know what happened. But we have all of our guys here tonight. Where are the girls? I mean, what did y'all do? Did the spouse that didn't look at his wife talk to y'all? Did at some point or something happen? Anyway. But uh, great to see everybody here tonight. Thank you all so much uh, for coming. What a great time we had here this past Sunday. Uh, to baptize somebody, to see somebody baptized, to uh, see somebody feel the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the young lady that was here with Laney, as far as I know, was her first time here and possibly maybe her first time in a Pentecostal church, and it just does something to me when they just come down here and open their heart and God just fills them up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I'd like for y'all to actually pray for, this is a second friend that Laney's brought, and um, let's pray for their families, um, their families of, as, as of a different persuasion. And I just pray that God opens doors and works that out. And wouldn't it be amazing to see the parents and families of these two young ladies come and watch God fill them up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that would be just absolutely wonderful so uh, but great service here Sunday and i uh, very thankful for the moving of God's Spirit and uh, I was going through uh, something this afternoon and uh, I literally prayed God I, I need to know that you're still with us and that kind of thing and uh, about 15 minutes later, uh, just I didn't hear a voice in my ear. It was not audible, but it was about the closest thing that I've, I've to audible, I suppose. It said, don't forget, I was with you Sunday. And I uh, just really, really ministered to my spirit and was very, very thankful for that. <clears throat> uh, let's launch into our study tonight. Uh, a couple of years ago on Wednesday night, when we were here, uh, I actually think it's almost a month ago um, that we, if you'll remember, uh, I taught a Bible study uh, about relationships, and then we had a missionary, and then Sister Murphy and I were gone for two Wednesday nights, so I'm coming back to that. So it was a month ago. I said a couple of years, but my mama told me a million times to quit exaggerating. And uh, But anyway, but several weeks ago, I started teaching about relationships and I want to pick up on that tonight. Um, I began by uh, teaching about the need to understand yourself. If You'll remember I did a hashtag on that study called you're the uh, perfect you're the perfect gift. Um, and I want to continue that uh, hashtag here tonight i want to talk to you tonight about respecting yourself hashtag you're the perfect gift i'd like for everybody to to lend me your ear tonight our kids church has resumed and i'm very thankful for that those that do that very thankful so hopefully distraction tonight will be a minimal but uh, i believe this can help a lot of people here tonight let me begin by saying before we can begin uh, successful, being successful in any relationship, including our relationship with God, there has to be a level of understanding we must have about ourselves. I wanna teach this series to our church, absolutely to our church, but also like to have our Connect Group leaders and those of you that are part of a Connect Group to, uh, p- to listen up as well Because these are the kind of things that we're after uh, here in our church culture and certainly the church, the the culture that we're living in right now after COVID and all of that, people seem to have some issues uh, starting up relationships and what have you. So again, before we can be successful in any relationship, including our relationship with God, there must be some level of understanding we have concerning ourselves. The prodigal son, as I talked to you about uh, Sunday, was not successful in any of his relationships until the Bible says he came to himself and remembered who he really was. One reason that most people backslide is because they forget who they really are, and that is a true statement. That's what's happened. That's what happened to the prodigal. Many become... Many people who backslide try to become something they're not. They were designed, they were called, they were chosen by God to be a part of his church, to be a part of the kingdom of God. When you step outside of that and try to live a a lifestyle adverse to the church, it, it doesn't fit. You try to make it fit, but it doesn't. The friendships aren't the same. The relationships aren't the same. They're not and until you can come to yourself. It's one of the greatest revelations in the Bible outside of a revelation of God in Christ is when the prodigal, as Jesus told the story, came to himself and realized, not only do I not belong here in this pig pen situation, but I don't belong to these people. I have a father somewhere else, and that's where I need to be. He came to himself. So the first part of understanding yourself is to remember who you are. If you're here tonight and you've repented, you've been baptized, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you're a child of God and nothing can take that away from you. The Bible said, Jesus said, no man shall pluck you out of the hand of my father. Nobody can take that relationship away from you unless you allow it to happen. Now, if you allow it to happen, that's that's one thing, but nobody else can do that. No one can take away your identity. They can't take away who you are. They can't take away where you came from. And nothing can take away what your purpose is. You came from God. And I I believe this tonight. I mean it tonight with all my heart. You are his prized possession. He paid a dear price for your redemption. He didn't pay more for mine than he did yours. He didn't pay more for anybody else than he did yours. He paid the same price for everybody. That's how meaningful all of us are to Jesus tonight. And everybody said amen. amen. So we should show his glory to this world through our testimony. So tonight I want to talk to you about respecting yourself. And I believe this is very needed in the church today. All healthy relationships began with self-respect. If you don't respect and love yourself, you'll have a very hard time respecting and loving others. Yes, you will. I have counseled for years, with especially couples that want to get married. Uh, I've I've done this for years, that if you have issues within yourself, concerning yourself and your family, you're gonna bring them into your marriage. And when y'all have kids, you're gonna bring them into your family. It's just gonna keep perpetuating at some point I believe it is absolutely essential and I'm very firm on this point and I believe it very dogmatically. I know a lot of bad things happen to people. It happens to them as kids, it happens to them as, as adolescents, it happens to them as, as older teenagers and so on. Uh, I'll be more specific than that. There's people that's been molested, there's people that's been molested sexually, uh, they've been abused physically, they've been abused mentally, emotionally, you name it. And what that does is take away, it takes away your self-respect to be treated that way by anybody for any reason is degrading and it takes away self-respect. It, ta- it, it, it It. makes you feel degraded and unworthy and incomplete. It makes you feel hollow and all of those sorts of things. And this is what I believe the devil is doing to virtually everybody on this planet that he can. Our, our family structure is, is, is crumbling, we all know that, uh, there's step parents, there's, there's all kinds of, of functions here that, that sometimes are difficult to reconcile. But at some point when you reach adulthood, I believe it's necessary to have a moment with God, with yourself, if you're married with your spouse, but particularly with yourself and God, to have a moment of some kind of a reconciliation that these things happened to me. I cannot go back and change it. I can't go back and undo it. I can't reverse all these things, et cetera, that's happened to me. But I am not going to let that identify who I am. I'm not going to let these things determine who I am. I'm going to tell you again, and I believe God was brilliant. He was incredibly wise when he introduced the redemptive plan. When he introduced the redemptive plan, he ran it through this conduit. He told Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. So you get a a shot at a new life, a, a new identity, a new function, a new purpose. All of those things become brand new again when you're born again. What happens to us, and it happened with a prodigal, and I, I don't want to re-preach that sermon. But when people walk away from the church, when you walk away from your roots, when you walk away from that consistency and that um uh all of the principles of of bible and all those things when you walk away from that the devil reminds you of your identity he takes away your purpose he takes away your calling and and you don't people don't connect the fact that i've walked away from god and now my life i'm living my life without purpose i'm living my life without value but people don't make that connection if you want purpose and value back then come back to the father's house. So if you don't respect yourself, how can you expect others to respect you? Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, and this would be our text tonight, in Mark 12, verse 30, he said, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor, but it doesn't stop there. There's a parameter, Uh, there's a condition, if you will. Uh, There's a basis, if you will, that if you're going to love your neighbor, there needs to be something underneath that. It can't be just words, it has to be something real and genuine. If you're going to love your neighbor, then his Jesus model for that, that he taught, Jesus wanting us to understand what he was teaching, that if you're going to love your neighbor, this is how I want you to do it. I want you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Well, I I believe that's a strong statement and it can be maybe a little bit hard to understand and I hope to unpack a little bit of that tonight. But I wanna say to us again, a lot of our struggle in relationship, if not all of them, has to do with our relationship with God and our relationship with ourself. And the Bible teaches that all throughout the New Testament. The, 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 at least, at least one-third of the nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit deals with your relationship with yourself. So the second greatest commandment in the Bible is a command to love others. And again, it has two parts. You love your neighbor as you love yourself, and you are to love yourself. So how we love our neighbor is contingent upon how we love ourselves. In other words, if you don't love and respect yourself, how can you love and respect your neighbor? Jesus said. If you love and respect yourself, if your love and respect for yourself is low, then your love and respect for others will also be low. That is what the Bible says as thyself. If Jesus wants us to have this great love for others, and he does. Then when he said, as thyself, he also meant that we must have a great love and respect for ourselves. The two go hand in hand. They are both a part of what Jesus introduced to us as the second greatest commandment. So Jesus is putting a lot of priority on that statement. So I think you all understand that I'm not talking about a worldly self-esteem tonight but a godly love for yourself and appreciation of the great creation that you are in the sight of God. I wish we could understand that tonight. We are all tonight a a prize, the prize of all of God's possessions. I'm not talking about thinking that you're all that in this world. It's one thing to be arrogant and cocky, and I'm not talking about that. But it's another thing to be self-confident. And who God created you to be. To be self-confident that you are who God created you to be. Jesus said, and I want you to look at this verse. We all know it. But I want you to look at it from the angle that I'll present it tonight. For what is a man profited, Jesus said in Matthew 16. If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We judge ourselves too often in light of the world around us. We compare our value with the world around us. We compare our value with the culture around us. If we don't look like everybody, then we don't have the same value as everybody around us. If if we can't make a certain income level, if we don't live in a certain kind of house, we measure ourselves against all of these things that are existent in our society tonight. So we judge ourselves too often in light of the world around us And what this world can offer us. Jesus said, don't look at your life like that. Don't compare yourself to this world, to the culture, to the people of this world. It doesn't matter if you have the whole world. If you're like everybody in the world. If you achieve everything in the world that everybody else has achieved. It's still not going to matter. You've still not accomplished anything. Jesus wants you to look at the real reason that you are here. We discussed this in our last Bible study to reveal his glory to this world through your testimony, through your lifestyle, through your relationships you have with others. We all have something valuable to offer this world. What you have is more precious than silver or gold. Your calling is the highest calling on this earth. You can begin to love and respect yourself when you understand your importance to the kingdom of God. I want to say to all of our musicians and singers, I want to say to everybody that does anything in this church, the media booth, I talked to somebody this week about the men in the lobby and how valuable that was, and our greeters and our concierge and our Sunday school teachers and all these people. You have more value. I think most of us, we have more value than what most of us really understand. We just kind of look at that as a Sunday morning responsibility. But you don't always know the impact you're having on all the faces that walk in the door and see yours. You don't always understand the kids in your Sunday school class how they feel when they see that beautiful smile on the face of their Sunday school teacher. We don't always understand the impact, but I'll tell you this much. There's been more than one person that has come back to their Sunday school teacher or that faithful leader in the church or that singer-musician years later and said, you touched me when I was a child. You ministered to me when I was a teenager. You helped me when I was a young married person. Our value tonight as a child of God goes far beyond what we think it does. The Bible said in 1 John 4, 19, We love him because he first loved us. And if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. In other words, you can't love God and hate somebody else. It's impossible. If you do, the Bible says you're a liar. If we can't connect this to the second commandment, we can say, if we don't love ourselves, we can't love others. And if we can't love others, we cannot love God. Because loving ourselves, Is directly connected to loving God. You cannot truly love God if you do not love yourself, the Bible teaches. It is important to have hope and respect towards yourself. David understood this. He said, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Whenever David got discouraged, he said, I will encourage myself in the Lord. I remind myself of who I am, that I'm a child of God, that I was called by God, that I was chosen by God we have to learn to do that if we want to be successful in god's kingdom paul also understood this concept he said i can do all things through christ which strengthen me that's because we mean so much to god this was one of the key one of the keys to paul's success he said i can do all things through christ which strengthen me he had self-respect he knew who he was he knew where he came from and he knew his purpose Paul had a positive mental attitude, not in a worldly sense, but in a godly understanding that through Christ he could fulfill God's will in his life. Why is it that we don't like ourselves? There's people here tonight. You know who I'm talking about, and I know who I'm talking about. You don't love yourself. Why is that? Is it based on personal failure? Because we've all messed up? Somebody told me recently that I'm just, I'm not worthy. Not worthy of anything. You don't know what my past has been like. You don't know what I've done. You don't know places I've been and all of that. In your past, you may have been criticized or even abused by others. It might be that others are still not accepting you. And that leads into a lack of faith in God. But since others feel that way, we assume that God himself also must feel that way. If others don't want to use me, then God must not want to use me. If others don't think that I'm valuable to them, then God doesn't. And certainly if I don't feel valuable to myself, why should God think I'm out to anything? Just my attitude would tell God not to give me any time. We cannot afford to lose our faith in God and we cannot lose the bearing that the Word of God teaches. Jesus paid an incredible price for us to be here tonight. and if he didn't think you were valuable, I don't think for one minute he'd done it. Yeah. to you, you, to you, to him, excuse me to him, you are worth everything. So if you lose your faith in God, you can't please God. the Bible teaches that. So how do we learn? to love ourselves. The first step is to accept God's love. The Bible said that he first loved us and we have to accept that. I've talked to a lot of people through the years that says, I just don't believe God loves me. And I'm like, I don't know how you could say that. He can't help it. Even if you were an idiot and he didn't want to love you anymore, he couldn't help it. It's who God is. God is love. He can't help it. know if that's resonating with anybody here tonight i sure hope that it is then we must begin expressing that love towards ourselves if god loves us then we can express that love towards ourselves if we can do that then we can express that love towards others we must learn to release ourselves from our attitudes our feelings and our perspective of the past i'm talking to somebody here tonight how do we do that this is important we begin everybody say we begin we began by accepting the mercy and grace of God. We have to understand that the mercy and grace of God is unmerited. You don't do anything to deserve that. You can't do anything to deserve it. I know we've heard that over and over, but I just want to drive that point home tonight. I've, I've worked with people through the years, and they just can't bring themselves to the fact that, that God is going to have mercy on me and forgive me and save me. They, they can't get their head around that. I don't know what else to do. You, you reach a point where you have to accept the mercy and grace of God. As much as God is love, he is also merciful and he is full of grace. And if you, if you can accept the mercy and grace of God, then you can accept his forgiveness. I watched Skyler receive the Holy Ghost this past Sunday morning. Just put my hand on her head. And I said, baby, you're feeling the baptism of the Holy Ghost and it's gonna come out of your mouth. I felt her hand, just her head moved completely out of my hand and I just lifted my hand off and when I looked at her face, she was speaking in tongues just like that. Just like that she accepted the mercy and grace of God. Just like that. Nobody had to twist her arm, persuade her and go through 14 Bible studies and have a revival and have an evangelist and have be prophesied over and all of that, she didn't need none of that. She just took it at grace value and I thought how amazing This is why Jesus said, except you become as a child. If anybody knows how to accept mercy and grace from someone, it is a child. They feel like they have to for survival. And they're quick to forgive. And they're quick to accept forgiveness. I've seen this all of my life. In Romans chapter 4, Paul said, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Just by believing in the mercy and grace and love of God, just that God thinks you're pretty cool when you accept that. Even as David also described the blessedness of men unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. You don't have to do anything saying blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin listen none of us deserves to be forgiven but in his mercy God chooses to forgive and he can't help it none of us deserves to be forgiven I've reached a point sometimes in my life maybe there's others here tonight that have that you get down to repent and I do it as often as possible for things I've done, things that I didn't know I did, whatever. Just cover it all. And I think to myself sometimes when I pray, and I I just, God's bound to get sick of that. Always asking, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. If people ask me to forgive them as much as I ask God to forgive me, after a while, I'm like, okay. (laughs) Does anybody feel me here tonight? But that's who God is. That's who he is. God chose to forgive you of everything. I was happy happy to tell Steve Sunday morning before service began, when you go down in baptismal waters, when you repented your sins were forgiven, now they're going to be washed away. And if you ask God tomorrow, God, I'm sorry about that sin five years ago, he's going to say, what sin? Not only does he forgive it, but he forgets it and never holds it over your head. It's wonderful to know that. And if you can believe that, if you can get your head around that, if you can live that principle, it's, it's, it will set you free. It, it's, it's liberating. It's a step of faith to accept and believe that God has forgiven you. Paul said that faith is counted for righteousness, and it's too, it is too often that we want to have a say in god's forgiving process we want to have a say in it god you need our input right now you can forgive me but i've heard people do it god i promise if you'll forgive me this time i'll never do this again anybody ever prayed that prayer of repentance your response is telling me that pretty much or we'll pray god if you'll just take care of this problem If you'll just take care of this sin, then I will do this for you. Or God, if you will truly forgive my sin, and then I will be able to do what you've called me to do. We put so many conditions on God's grace and mercy. Sometimes we make it impossible. We make it impossible for it to even work in our lives because we will only accept it on our terms. God don't do that. James said he is faithful and just to forgive you when you ask him. Case closed. That is wonderful to me. His terms are simple. Just believe and accept that he has forgiven you. Your faith in his forgiving power is what makes you righteous. Your faith in his forgiving power is what makes you righteous. Someone someone needs to hear that tonight. The, The fact that you believe that God has forgiven you is what makes you right in God's eyes. The fact that you believe that God can still use you is what makes God want to use you. We think the Lord is keeping score of our sin. When all the while he just wants you to know that you're forgiven of everything in your past and he don't even remember it anymore. Let me read this passage to you and and this is amazing. I'm gonna read the, the message Bible translation in Romans chapter four, verse three through eight. What we read in scripture is, Abraham entered into what God was doing for him and that he was turning that uh, and that was the turning point he trusted god to set him right instead of trying to be right on his own so if you are a hard worker and do a good job you deserve your pay you don't call your wages a gift but if you see that the job is too big for you that is something only god can do and you trust him to do it you could never do it for yourself no matter how hard and long you worked well that trusting him to do it is what gets you set right with God by God. It's a sheer gift. David confirms this way of looking at it, saying that the one who trusts God to do the putting everything right without insisting on having a say in it is one fortunate man. Fortunate those whose crimes are carted off, whose sins are wiped clean from the slate. Fortunate the person against whom the Lord does not keep score. Blessed is the man who can trust that God makes everything right in your life. Blessed is the man who can trust that. If you believe that God has made you righteous, then you're righteous in God's eyes. Some of us think that just because we've messed up, God is not going to use us anymore. got news for you. His death overcame that obstacle 2,000 years ago. His blood has more power than that. Yes, it does once he called you you are called for life and the bible teaches that the calling of god is without repentance you can't walk away from it so once you're called you're called the devil wants you to think that your mistakes have put you on the outs with god and there's people here tonight that are struggling with that i can't be used anymore because of this and because of that because of that it's coming to yourself coming to a place of repentance Coming back home to the Father's house. The devil wants you to think that your mistakes have put you on the outs with God. Maybe it wasn't the devil. Maybe it was some authority in your life that said you have messed up and God will never use you again. But my Bible tells me who can forgive sins but God alone. If you can accept His forgiveness, that makes you righteous. If you can have mercy and have faith in His mercy, You can make it. If you can grab a hold of his grace, God will use you. Consider the story of Abraham and his wife Sarah. This hit me this week like a sledgehammer. Consider the story of Abraham and his wife Sarah traveling through the kingdom of Abimelech. Abimelech was a terrible, immoral king. He did not believe in the God of Abraham. And when Abraham and his wife came through their city, listen to what happens, and you might remember the story in Genesis chapter 20. In verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from thence, toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, This is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art a, but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken for she is a man's wife. How many of you remember this? Sarah was a beautiful woman and when Abimelech saw her, he wanted her. Since he was a king, he could pretty much have whatever he wanted. Abraham was worried that Abimelech would kill him and take his wife, so he lied and said, she is my sister. In other words, Abimelech, go ahead and take her and have her your way with her. Just don't hurt me. Abraham, the man of God, the father of all Israel, the faithful one, lied. Not only did he lie but he would not stand up to protect his wife, and I would call that a coward. So not only is he a liar, he's a coward. Now you would think that God would have withdrawn his blessing and and power from Abraham, right? It's what you believe about yourself. Listen to what happens verse three, Genesis 20, verse three, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman who thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Skip down to verse seven. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. The man has just lied. Abraham has just lied. He has been a coward. And God speaks to Abimelech and says, leave that woman alone. She is the wife of a prophet. But You say, well, he lied. He was a coward. Yeah, that's right. But that's not how God saw him. God still saw him as a prophet. The difference between the difference between church people and God is that church people throw out liars. But God gives them another chance. I'm going to ask everybody in this building tonight for the success of our church, our connect groups, everything, every ministry we do here. Please do not let your failures define you. You do not lose your calling just because you mess up. You do not lose your status with God just because you make a few mistakes. You do not become less than what God called you to be when you fail him. Man may not... Man may make you out to be less than what you are, but not God. The call of God on your life is without repentance. I don't believe that there is anybody in the house tonight who has messed up since that that has not messed up since you came to God. If you haven't, then you're a liar like Abraham. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all just a bunch of sinners. Saved by grace, it's really our identity tonight. We have to believe and accept that God has forgiven us. This is what makes us righteous in His sight. It's not our righteousness, but His. Our righteousness is no better than Abraham's righteousness. Jesus called it filthy rags. If you can forgive a liar like Abraham, if God can forgive a liar like Abraham, if God can use a murderer like Moses, if God can forgive an adulterer like David, then God can still forgive you and use you to reveal his glory to this world. So listen to what happened, and I'm concluding, in Genesis 20, 17. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. So because Abimelech responded properly to God and obeyed his commandments, look what God did for his family, and he was a wicked and immoral king. Caused his wife to be able to bear children. He healed her. He healed his maidservants, and they bear children. God used a liar to heal Abimelech and all of his house. The gifts don't leave you just because you mess up. God wants to restore somebody's faith tonight. God is reminding somebody tonight of their calling. God hasn't changed, and he still desires to use everybody in this building tonight. If you'll accept his love, if you'll accept his forgiveness, accept the fact that you cannot change the past. The past is the past. Forgive those that you have the power to forgive. Change the things that you have the power to change and leave the rest up to God. And no doubt God will do something amazing in your life. And no doubt God will do something amazing in the life of the people you choose to forgive. Yes, he will. That's how God works thank the Lord God bless you tonight stand with me if you would (laughs) I trust tonight that this Bible study has fallen on open ears and open hearts Um, not done with this subject yet Lord willing we'll go some more down this path next Wednesday I'm going to ask you to come back and come back Sunday and come back next Wednesday come with an open heart and open mind And if you'll believe what we've taught here tonight, God will will do something amazing with your life. He's not done with you yet, no matter what you may think. No matter what your friends may think. No matter what your spouse may think. God still has purpose for your life. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. All right, there's a wonderful, wonderful spirit of fellowship in the house when we began tonight. Uh, May that resume. And whoever that man was that looked the other way. That Brother Jason pointed out, maybe y'all can reconcile and your wife will forgive you uh, for not saying that you were glad they were here. So uh, a lot of fun here tonight. God bless you guys. Love y'all very much. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. You're dismissed.